<laughs> paper, yeah. It's our time. One love. It's your boy, Paperboy Prince. Paperboy Love Prince here on the Paperboy Prince podcast. I'm so excited to be here. <clears throat> we have a dope episode. We're going back to back with some um, <clears throat> kind of political, informational, uh, conspiracy theory, if you will, episodes, which are some of my favorite because they're educational. And we have a great guest today I'm super excited about. I want to also remind you all, come down to the paperboyprince.com love gallery right here in uh, Brooklyn, New York, in Bushwick at 1254 Myrtle Avenue. Um, got a lot of interesting things going on, some new events. So definitely come down. You can follow it at paperboy.lovegallery on Instagram. Make sure you donate as well to help our mutual aid initiatives, food giveaways, community cleanups, our housing initiatives, and more. And it's completely separate from that. Got to keep it separate because of legal reasons. Our campaign, we're running for Congress and governor, literally about to change the world, literally changing the state, literally changing the city right here, right now. And um, so if you want to volunteer or help out, let me know. And we need you to help us. We need you to help us uh, sign our we need you to help us sign our petition as well. So uh, we have a few weeks to get on the ballot. So it's a super important time. <laughs> paper, yeah. And get some Paperboy Prince merch, man. Get some fire merch. I'm excited about it. Some, some big things happening with the merch. Uh, it's going down. Now, speaking of big things. <laughs> paper, yeah. It's our time. We have a special guest. You know, it's rare we have guests. I had a period where we had a bunch of mayoral candidates on, but now we have a special guest here who is reporting live. You're also in New York, uh, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to the people because, well, I, well I, I'll say this. One of the reasons I have, you, I have you on, and I have you muted right now because some of that outside noise, I really want to make sure to get this um, on. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because you're someone who I consider a multi-hyphenate like myself who does a lot of different things and wears a lot of different hats and some people might not uh, understand all of that and it might not be the easiest to break down for folks. So I wanted to uh, have you on and speak to you right here uh, right now. So perfect time. It looks like you're getting settled now um, <clears throat> to a point where you'll be able to, to speak. So uh, I know that you do so many different things, whether it's DJing um, events, whether it is education or teaching music and rapping, you know, doing videos and all these things. I connected with you through uh, one of my former partners, uh, Ty, and One Verse Mini, and you are here um, now. We've done some stuff together in the past, so I think this is going to be a fun episode because basically we're going to go dive deep into. I, you know, you're somebody who's like an outsider, kind of like uh, that. I would consider a a, a conspiracy, one of the more conspiracy theorists on my Facebook friend list, which is important to protect those folks, you know, and to highlight that 
uh, because that's the information that they literally now purposefully kind of shy away from. And it's so super important because people forget it until it's too late. So that was an intro to kind of give my kind of angle on you and, and the, the ab abbreviated version. So I would love for you to introduce yourself and yeah, <laughs> paper, yeah, one love. Yeah, peace everybody. This is uh, DJ Radon, AKA uh, Oskron Tesla, AKA Ray Phoenix. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm a polymath, you know, director, um, DJ, rapper, you know, uh, fine artist, uh, oil painter. Uh, I've gotten back into oil painting after a 20-year break, but uh, I, I got a painting that's going to be on the, this new CBS thing. Uh, what's the show called? It's, it's about a, a kid that's like trying to find his father in the future. I forgot what, what the show's called, but it's a, some futuristic thing. Nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, yeah. And, um, you know, I came to New York in like 97. I, you know, I went to NYU and then I stayed. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I've seen, uh, like I was in Williamsburg for maybe like 10 of those years. So I was like a sublet Lord in Williamsburg. Uh, so, you know, I went through all that, all those, uh, you know, growing pains of, uh, going through, you know, I was in Williamsburg from like 2001, no, 2000 to 2012, maybe. Yeah. 2000, like 2012, 2011. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so sorry, and I'm gonna be releasing a book. I'm gonna be releasing a book on that too, the, the McKibben Street of uh, uh you know files because it's like I got I got all these crazy, crazy pictures nobody has that I was taking like mostly from 2003. Like I got all these crazy uh it was like when digital cameras first came out, you know what I'm saying? Like the 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 ones that were like you know affordable for everybody. And then uh, I remember it was like 2003, I was taking mad pictures. So I got all these crazy images of uh, McKibben Street of like, you know, there used to be a legal strip club after our strip club there on McKibben wow. Street that got busted. And I got the picture of all the uh, I don't have the picture of the the women and, and the people there in the plastic handcuffs. But I got the, the plastic handcuffs on the floor. And there's donuts on the floor. The police were eating donuts and dropping donuts on the floor. Wow. <laughs> I, I got the suspension parties. You know, there used to be suspension parties there. You know, it's like TV on the radio used to play on the roof. Wow. You know, Bjork played. Bjork, no, actually, Bjork didn't play on the roof. She was at a party on the roof, I remember. Like, you know. Yeah, I, used like to, you know I used to live in McKib McKibben. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah I lived in there, lived there for like maybe like two or three years. or Uh-huh. I don't know, but that's wild. So, okay. There's well, a lot of history there. Yeah, we should talk about that because I would love yeah. to throw a show at my gallery. Like, mm. uh, even if it's hosting some of the pictures, we have like a digital... Yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm organizing all that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be okay. sick. Yeah, a release party. Do okay. you know Nissa? You know, you know Nissa Frank? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Her gallery? Yeah, yeah. I've done a mm -hmm. bunch of stuff with her, and we're going to be doing mm -hmm. stuff soon, so. That's the, her gallery's still running, right? It's still going? Yeah, yeah. Okay, dope. I'm so glad. Yeah, they're still dope. going, so. Um, shout out to them the living gallery shout out to the mm. love gallery as well sometimes people mix up the live living gallery and the love gallery we're the patreonprints.com love gallery mm. but sometimes people have told me like oh yo you 
you like are running the living gallery now, right? And I'm like, so we have the love gallery. It's completely different. Mm-hmm. It's the paperboyprints.com love gallery, but shout out to the living gallery. Have done events there. Okay, I want to jump right in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've already been on for a while, but I want to jump right in and get into some of the stuff that we talked about. Well, that you kind of talk about. And mm-hmm. even I love your <clears throat> passion because I'm a very passionate person. And I say it takes passion to really like drive things home, to really get things done. It takes like action and passion and uh, kind of like, kind of just this different type of motor. And when we first turned it on just to have like a pre-call, you already were hopping into your bag about uh, things going on with hip hop and how kind of what I had summarized is like the bastardization bastardization of hip hop. I, I, I could have did a much jo- better job of pronouncing that word, but kind of the, the, the deprecation too. The deprecation, yeah. the kind of the... Um, current state of hip-hop but you know i want to start this with a more what's the word um i want to start with this with a much more uh, uh what's it um dynamic unbiased unbiased oh. you uh, and, yeah. and kind of let the biases prove themselves uh, later on or, or us have to prove any biases or you prove the biases, the guests, because for some of these things, I would love to like, you know, have a good conversation about. And so starting there um, with with that, you know, uh, to kind of start it off for people who don't understand hip hop as a music that kind of in the short form comes from uh, jazz, comes from funk, comes from gospel and poetry and spoken word um and you know and djing and kind of this type of idea and positive partying where it now it becomes kind of like such a big thing and it's kind of a subculture right almost like how i mentioned this conversation as being like you being an outsider and us being like folks were outside is this podcast being something about conspiracies and you know mm. uh, even how this is kind of that it's like the hip-hop was that and begets become so big and then now is being used as something to uh kind of lead folks astray in a certain way so i'm um, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, what, what are your thoughts or feelings on when are some of the first places that folks can point to and say, well, 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 first things, yeah, where folks can point to and say, oh, this is where something changed. Because actually, no, I don't want to start there. Because first, a lot mm-hmm. of folks say that there's not a problem. You know, they say, oh, exactly. it's just music. It's just art. You know, they're just expressing themselves. So where does the line get blurred between it's just music, it's art and expressing themselves. And this thing is like damaging, uh, hyper damaging certain people in a certain community. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, great, great way to come in. Um, so yeah, for me, you know, I, I'm a rapper. I've been rapping since like maybe, I don't know, maybe like probably, I mean, I, I would try to rap in the eighties when I was a kid, but I never really made a whole rhyme. Like I had, my name is Ray. I'm, I'm from the USA. 
And I never finished that line. I never had something after it. Up until like maybe high school, I started making beats and DJing. And then I start, and then uh, I had a class, uh, my homies, uh, my teacher, uh, who's a, also a homie, rest in peace, Steve Segur, he taught me, he was like my trigonometry teacher and maybe some other, but he was a math teacher and he had a, a like this Yamaha keyboard in his, uh, in the back of his, uh, you know, class. And uh, me and some of my friends would make beats on it. And, uh, you know, and it was one of those Sam Halls that had a sequencer in it, so you could actually make a whole actual beat on it and stuff like that. So I started, you know, making beats like that. I was doing, um, you know, uh, I was DJing in high school, you know. But then, yeah, I, I probably, it was the blackout in 2000, what was that, 2003 or something? Or I can't remember, was that 2002 in New York? I was in McKibben Street. And I was making a beat. I was like, oh, I'm making this beat, right? And then the blackout happened. And I was like, oh, shit, there's no, I'm oh, sorry, because I'm like, oh, man, there's no power, you know? And I, and I thought, first I thought, you know, we would always have, like, some power issues when we came in. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe it's just, you know, my, my thing. I went to the breaker. It was fine. You know, the whole hallway was out. So I was like, oh, wow, the whole floor is out. So then I went outside. I'm like, oh, okay, the whole building's out. And I'm like, oh, the whole block is out? Oh, the whole New York is out? Oh, the whole, you know what I'm saying? Because it was all the way up to like Canada, I think. I think that blackout was all the way. So that was when I started, I was like, okay, I can't make beats. I started, you know, writing rhymes again. Like, I think I was writing some rhymes in high school and I recorded a couple of those, but then I kind of, you know, got out of it, you know? So then that was like, yeah, with the early 2000s, I started writing again. But uh, yeah, so hip hop is very, you know, dear to me as part of my culture. To me, it's, it's just as much a part of, you know, a black culture as, uh, you know, as any um, music is to, you know, as classical music or or, or just different, you know, uh, cultural institutions. And what's interesting about you're saying about the subculture thing, I personally feel it's almost the dominant culture because, like, I remember my friend, his dad went to and his grandfather went to NYU and he was telling me that back then in like the 30s or 40s, he walked in with a t-shirt and they're like, you got to leave. You know, you can't come in this classroom with a t-shirt. You're not, except you're not presentable. You know what I'm saying? Type of a thing. Like that was like the forties at NYU. And then it's like, you flash forward to now, you know, it's like kids rolling in sweatshirt, I mean, sweatpants, t-shirt, sneakers. And I feel like, you know, even though obviously people in the seventies were wearing sweats and tees and t-shirts and that whole kind of sports vibe, you know, was, was happening before hip hop. I feel like hip hop kind of, solidified that whole you know the casual wear where because you know back in the day every man if you're a male you had to wear dress shoes everybody was wearing dress shoes nobody was you know people in the in the 60s weren't wearing sneakers just walking around you know but now if you go to china everybody's wearing sneakers you go to japan everybody's wearing you go around the world everybody's wearing sneakers and some like kind of comfortable more a little bit more of a comfortable outfit yeah then just like oh i gotta wear a suit or a lady's like oh i gotta wear a dress like no i can just have some tights on I was literally just having this conversation uh, last night about, you know, I used to live in Spain and um, I was having this conversation with a colleague that uh, has family that lives in Spain. And I was saying basically that she was like, oh, why did you move? And I was like, you know, Europe just wasn't leading when it comes to culture, right? Like, and I'm like, as far as <clears throat> New York and America and some of these different pockets in America, they're leading when it comes to culture, like you're saying, like, and exactly. have been for years dominating. Exactly. Influencing. And yeah. Atlanta dominating for years. Like, exactly. New York dominating for years. 
Texas dominating for years, LA dominating for years. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like decades upon decades culturally. Now, the, the thing is, right, <clears throat> this is where it gets interesting to me, is while that it has, it has become this double-edged sword. On the one hand, it has pushed the voice and the platform of Black America, Black American artists, the Black American do- dollar, the hip-hop dollar, um, mm-hmm. and into so many spaces, right? And it has advanced it and it allowed it to be amazing platform that we can use and benefit from in so many ways, right? On the macro level, being like, if you're somebody like a Jay-Z or Nicki Minaj, or on a uh, uh, more kind of localized level, saying if you're just a, you know, um, up, come, up and coming artist that's traveling abroad and you're still seeing the effects of people you know, enjoying you because you're like an American hip hop artist, right? Which, which is a real thing that happens. Um, so that's one side of the sword. Then the other side of the sword is the fact that that same thing that's like, oh, yay, it's positive that we're being pushed across seas and, you know, people are selling a lot. That th- the image that is being pushed is something that is often seen as negative. It's something that's often seen as derogatory. It's uh, a Thug, it's kind of a stereotypical image. It's not, you know, exactly. a joke someone made about like the Jewish people stereotyping. And I love Jewish people. I love all people. Um, and and it was talking about, you know, Jewish folks get upset at a stereotype about, um, you know, <clears throat> them owning companies and mm. uh, owning land and property and having a lot of money. And, you know, they get upset at that stereotype. And it's like uh, the, the kind of hook of the comedian joke is like you would hate being black because our stereotypes are, uh, you know, there's the stuff about basketball and stuff about, you know, uh, genitalia. And then there's stuff about hip hop where it comes being a thug. When it comes to, exactly. there's a lot of neg- negative connotations. Being a hoe. Being right? a hoe, being low income, coming from mm-hmm. like, exactly. I came from nothing. Like, like that's just like repeated over and over and over again. And so it's the thing of like, man, I wish we could get 20 years of the stereotype of us owning property, of us uh, owning uh, banks, of us, you know, being uh, world leaders of us having that. Or mathematics, like the Asian stereotypes, you know, it's like. Right, <laughs> right. And know? so it's, it's some of these things of like, <clears throat> you know, this is an important racial conversation to have on the one hand, because, you know, uh, I say that everybody is taught anti-Blackness. Like when you're growing up as a Black person, I grew up in a household with two Black parents that came from two Black parents and <clears throat> You know, they were immigrants from other places, but my parents both were American. And, you know, they're like, uh, you don't learn anti-Asian-ness or really anti-whiteness or anti-Latino-ness or any of that in a Black home. You actually Mm -hmm. really learn a lot of acceptance because of the hate and vitriol that has been sent towards your way and so plus genetically we got everybody in our family so we got the you know we'll have family where it's like oh look they're super light-skinned they're super dark-skinned oh they got super straight hair they got super 
the nappy hair, they got all different, you know what I'm saying? So many different ranges within our, within our genome and we marry and, you know, we have the full genome where everybody else is still segregating themselves. And, you know, we have all the blood types, all the, you know what I'm saying? We're not just like, oh, we're only blood type M over here and we're only marrying each other. We're only blood type, we're B over here. It's like, no, nah, we got everything. We're O, you know, O's the original, you know. It's, what's really interesting about the mathematics thing is that, you know, uh, I, you know, I consider myself more of like a rap scientist. And, you know, like when I'm uh, making, writing rhymes, you know, I, you know, for me, I think I've noticed that there's two ways that people write rhymes. You know, one way will be they'll write down what they want and then they figure out how to say it later. For me, it's more mathematic. I'm, I'm never just writing something and then just like, oh, how am I going to say it? For me, it's like I write that one word and then the next word, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to say those two that way. This next word, is that going to fit in? All right, now I'm going to add this fourth word. Is that going to fit in? And I'm trying to create an actual or particular pattern. So for me, it's always been, for me, the fun in it has always been like the kind of math element and stuff like that. I never liked creative writing, essay, being forced to write like essays and stuff like that in school, writing long things or whatever. But I always loved, you know, science and mathematics and things like that. So, uh, you know, I'm also the creator of the turntablist transcription methodology, which is a system of scratch notation for DJs that's used all around the world. It's been in, you know, colleges around the world, dissertations around the world. It's, it's being taught in uh, elementary school, uh, elementary schools uh, in uh, the Leicestershire uh, schools in uh, the United Kingdom. You know, so it's actually elementary school kids are are doing it, um, are using my system of notation to to uh, do their classes and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and I, and I haven't DJed. The last time I DJed is probably uh, on this rooftop by the World Trade Center, a student of mine's family. You know, I DJ for them, like, that was like 15 years, maybe 12 years ago. So it's like I'm boxed out of the industry. I'm black. I'm blacklisted, even though people all over the world, people have my posters. People are using my notation to communicate with each other. All intelligent black uh, hip hop is being uh subdued not only by corporations but also by hip hoppers themselves uh, caucasian hip hoppers themselves you know what i'm saying because uh you know us black djs we've been pushed out the in in industry and also black rappers were being pushed out of like intelligent rap and indie rap and you know the the um you know the avant-garde rap you know when anytime somebody talks about art rap or indie rap or like things that now people are like, oh yeah, that's like anti-con, that's like white stuff. And you know, that, uh, yeah, black people don't do, you know, we don't, black people don't care about, you know, uh, uh, scratch notation anymore, or scratching or, or, you know, making complex beats. Everybody's, the, the black rappers are all on the, on the ignorant stuff. And that divide, you know, it, it's, it's really, really, you know, obviously it's on the radio, but what a lot of people don't realize is that it's also in the underground. So the, you know, the under, the radio is totally, uh, anti-black and the underground is totally anti-black. So, you know, on the radio, uh, like I was saying before the show, um, I've had, I've actually had two cousins that were both, uh, murdered by trap music fans. One of them was a blood in Atlanta and the other one was just a regular guy, you know, young guy, like, you know, 20 years old, uh, in, North, in, uh, Mississippi. <laughs> and, uh, and both of them got shot while sitting in their car. So like, um, my cousin, my cousin they were murdered and, by and, trap music fans. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, just, yeah. Like it wasn't like, Oh, a Mexican cat came up and snuffed him in the right. back of the head. Or it wasn't like, uh, you know, somebody that they knew it was their friend or some people they knew, 
and people that are into you know people that if you if you were like hey do you know who uh you know gucci man is they know who gucci man is. or whatever you know like uh you know you ask them who uh you know uh you know like all the shots the little dirk he's like hey you know who little dirk is and so and stuff I, like that you're moving uh, through some things fast that i want to like actually pause and and Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit focus. Talk a little bit longer on, go deeper on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's definitely go deeper. Yeah, you know about this stuff and talk about it, but a lot of folks need to like hear it more in depth. So you mentioned about the uh, blacklisting of yourself and feeling like you're blacklisted, and then you talking about more kind of saying like, hey, you know, but it's it's being black. Uh, art in general is being black intelligent art is being pushed exactly out yeah not just hip hop you're right so you're right you're not just hip hop all art right all art so exactly all but, art whether you're a but, painter whether you're right. making beats exactly. you know what I'm saying I, I, no I'm not I'm not gonna until I mean, the person's dead like JD it's like right. okay JD's dead oh look exactly. he was all he was a genius exactly he was a genius I, they weren't saying that when he was alive no I, they were not they were like oh JD's a DG you know saying he is a genius you know uh, and making everything on quantize you know because before that everybody was so locked into like oh I have to make this beat quantize and he was like yo I'm just going to turn quantization off and make it more funky or whatever you know and unquantized beats you know and uh, you know so that was a revolution that that you know only happened at, you know he only got his accolades till after he died and they're you know they're monetizing it making you know, stuff off of him and stuff like that. You know, I would say Doom was one of the people that at least he got to actually live off of, uh, you know, do well off of making intelligent rap. But for the most part, like let's say you take Act- Action Bronson versus Ghostface, it's like Action Bronson clearly has Ghostface whole sound. And, you know, he's getting paid more now. You know what I'm saying? Action Bronson gets paid more than Ghostface, you know, and, and uh, I was wait, just talking wait, yesterday. Wait. I don't want to just say that. <laughs> I don't know if that's confirmed. So, like, I, shout out to Ghostface Killer. Shout out to Action Bronson. I don't know if that's confirmed that Action Bronson gets paid more than Ghostface. But what I'll say is this to clarify is like, uh-huh. see, Action <laughs> Bronson has like a TV show, which you assume mm-hmm. comes with money. You see, he has uh, like commercials and these other opportunities that it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like are extended to Ghostface Killer. And it's kind of like when a white artist puts on the uh, the um, uniform of a hip-hop person and even the voice of a hip-hop person, they're still seen as like a safe version. But if a Black person does the same exact thing, it's like that's when that double-edged sword of that, oh, you're, comes of like all those stereotypes. It's like, oh, it's real with you. When Action Bronson talks about moving stuff up and down the 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 you know selling stuff here and there and I had to take the trip up and here and there it's like oh it's cool like you get a TV show but Ghostface Killer and he's a very successful artist and actually Wu Tang also has a TV show so I'm I'm putting my mouth putting my mouth as I say this but Ghostface Killer himself doesn't have his own personal TV show kind of built off of his brand um, mm-hmm. that way. You know, and I think that would even add more to the Wu Tang brand. I think mm-hmm, exactly talk about is like yeah, they're trying to suppress Wu Tang. Like, I mean, obviously Wu Tang is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and Rizzo's a genius. But if the you know, for me, I, I personally believe this. We could even call it conspiracy theory, but you know, to me, it's more just the whole deprecation thing, to where it's not even conspiracy. It's just you know, from the civil rights movement, from you know the slavery wars to apartheid, you know, American apartheid. And all that, you know, they're abandoned books. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm the first person, you know, I was born in 79. So I'm the first 
you know, free person, legally free person in my whole generations of, you know, American uh, Negro families uh, uh, to be able to, you know, go to school with Caucasian people and, and things like that. So for me, it's like, you know, it's only been 50 years of uh, 50 years of so-called, you know, freedom or equality or whatever. So, you know, um, but yeah, back to like the gangster stuff and my, my cousins that got killed, uh, my one cousin from the, my cousin-in-law from Atlanta, you know, he was a blood and uh, he's maybe like 19 or something. He had a baby boy that was like one or two and it was his birthday and he was like flexing his money Instagram, like, yeah, I got this money, got this money. And then his homie shot him in the car, just like YNW Melly shot him in the car, tried to blame it on somebody else. And, you know, um, so it was a blood on blood murder, and, you know, so because it's not even about a Crips and Bloods thing that they're that, that they're trying to kind of incite. You know, I feel like a lot of the uh, what's happening on the radios is they're inciting not only hysteria in black communities, but they're inciting violence. You know, you know, just like how they're trying to, you know, try Trump for inciting the riots and all that stuff that happened at the, at the Capitol. All these rappers aren't being tried. And then now we got Jay-Z and, and Meek Mill trying to actually protect the rappers and say, you could write, you could write anything on, can, on, on, the, on, the, on your track. You can say anything you want on the track. And you shouldn't be able to get, be arrested for it. And I'm totally against that because well, so, yeah, yeah, that's a you said a lot there. So on the last episode of the podcast, mm -hmm. actually, I talk about how um, you know they basically ban a Trump interview from mm. um, YouTube and how he's because of mm. misinformation, right? And I'm like, wait, so you can quickly ban a Trump interview from YouTube? that got exactly. six million views in a day, but you can't ban some of these hip hop videos that have these same type of messages that are exactly about how many exactly people they the kill, how many drug, how drugs they sell. So like, like you're saying, and it presents a false message and it's funded to the highest degree. Some of the stuff is heavily exactly. funded. Some of the stuff is whether it's funded under on the low by drug money or whether it's funded directly by labels and corporation so i want you to talk for a second about like about uh about that specifically about how yeah. you know they're basically allowed to do that um and they want to you know try folks for for inciting riots and all of that but for when it comes to protecting the black community and anything like that that's the that's like not even a conversation or black men specifically. That's, it's like, yeah, perfect. If, if a song is like, I'll shoot a woman in her face, uh, kill a woman every, like that would be banned from the Exactly. Radio. But if you could say that about you. black men all day long, and I'm like, it gets to the point with me, like, right? Like, and I'm like, this is a vulnerable moment. Um, like I'll, I've dated or been friends with people that are like non-black and obviously, and, um, I'll watch them like watch a video that's like on one of these meme pages or something, which, which is like, and this is another way black culture has taken over so many of the meme pages. Yeah, the memes. Like, yeah. All the memes are awesome. All like, yeah. they're like of black people or some type of black slang, or they're saying like something or it's like N words be like, or dudes be like, and it's just like, the I'll see a girl laugh at it or I'll see a non-black person get a lot of joy out of like black music that is like the whole content is about killing a black dude. And I'm like, what do you get out of this? Like in your mind, are you thinking about them killing another Asian person because you're Asian or 
kill another Latino person because you're Latino or another white person because you're white? Or do you think of them killing a black person? Or you think of your Indian... So or you even sexual them. assault. Even right. se- like, like, I remember, you know, like that Rick Ross song, like I, she didn't know, you know, where he's like talking about like she, he gave her, you know, some date rape drug and, and she didn't know, you know, and that was a big hit. I remember they were playing that on Hot 97. I remember walking down the street and hearing people bump it. They're playing that forever. You know what I'm saying? Coco, you know, there's a million songs. You know what I'm saying? When they, the day they, you know, like I would sue them myself if, if, uh, if I could, but, uh, you know, the day that, uh, you know, I feel that it, what's going to happen soon is there's going to be some lawsuits, that, some injunctions that need to happen to where, you know, um, real gang stuff and, you know, uh, targeting urban communities, which is the code name for black, targeting black people with hypersex and hyperviolence should be illegal. And, and grooming gang culture, you know, because it's not only are they targeting the hypersex and the hy- because if you turn on the radio right now, it'll, you'll hear Cardi B, who's Cardi Brim. The B stands for Brim. You know, her, it's the Brim Blood Gang. That's her set is the something like the five nine Brims or something. The, there's, a, there's a number in front of the Brims. And everybody in the gang is like, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Johnny Brim and I'm Martha Brim, you know, and she's Cardi Brim. But not she's, oh, she's Cardi B now. And, you know, she's a self uh, professed, you know, uh, bl- blood gang person. And, you know, when 6 9 got arrested with all his federal, you know, RICO charges, you know, she, nobody came to her, you know what I'm saying? Like, and she just won the case against Tasha K. It's like Cardi B's got videos where she's massacring mad women and she's in the real gang and she's wearing the blood stuff. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's an elephant in the room. Black death is an elephant in the room. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's, you know, they've been doing it for so long. Everybody's desensitized to it. So you, you touch on something interesting with Cardi B because I don't want to, Part of what I don't mm-hmm. want to do is beat up on any artist, but it is good to mm-hmm. use them as examples because we have yeah. so folks. No, I like her music. I like how it sounds. Like, of course, I like, but, like Cardi B's the girl. She's I, not writing it. But I like her. I like how it sounds. I like the pattern. Whoever's writing it, I like her patterns. Yeah. I like the sound. I like it. Even outside but, of, but, even outside of her music, right? I mean, the fact that you talk about hypersexualization, the fact that she was a stripper and is. First off, I met Cardi B. She's the most entertaining, amazing person. I think I can't wait to see what she does because I met mm-hmm. her in real life in Soho. Mm-hmm. And it's like she was so warm and nice. Like it was like, oh wow. Like it was before her, she was like her had number one songs, but it was like, I I see why she's so loved because man, she was just like a great person. So I'll say that about her. The thing yeah, she had her Instagram following first, yeah. Yeah, so the, the thing that I want to say about that, though, is like, it's the okie-doke of first they started with the Black men in the music, right? And then exactly. now it is, the, the thing that you interestingly pointed out is now is they're using it for Black black women to push the things. You know what I'm saying? Because all it's going to be is they're going to cycle this stuff through. So as soon as we put our stand up and try to stop it for black men. Then they'll push it through black women and have them do it. And they'll push it through the kids. Then they'll push it through uh, um, Latino men. Then they'll push it through Latino women doing it. Then they'll push it through white men and white. They're, they're going to keep pushing this message. Um, so I, I want to talk about the interesting stuff of there is a lot of messages that basically now because of, because of, uh, the sex revolution and because of like open-mindedness and LGBT and all of this, which I am somebody who is like an LGBT advocate, activist, 
known for that. Also a black activist as well, but and a activist for sex workers' rights as well. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there's a lot of this stuff that's being pushed to kids, right? And exactly, yeah, that's my problem. Is, is that is it, that these things are in the wrong place? So it's like. I'm not against pornos. I'm not against, you know, uh, people making pornos or whatever. It's like, yeah, but I'm against the porno being in uh, the uh, the grocery store right next to, you know, the uh, kids magazine or whatever, you know, and that's how you know, on YouTube, it's all scrambled and all jumbled together. It's like little Nas X has his kids page and then he's got his page where, it, you know, so then the little kid, if their parents don't have a, a, a proper firewall, most parents don't even know what a firewall is. If they don't have a proper firewall, then the kid's going to be like, oh, I'm looking for little Nas X kids, you know, but they're going to find the real little Nas X page. And then they're going to find all these crazy videos that it's like, hey, yeah, he, you know, people, I feel artists should be able to do what they want, obviously. But I feel like, uh, you know, the, the, the firewall technology has to be at a much higher level. The radios need firewalls. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying like a China thing or a Russia thing where, you know, they want stakes. I'm not I'm against state sanctioned hip hop. Like, I'm not saying the government should get into hip hop and. There should only be a, a couple of types of hip hop. I'm just saying there shouldn't be real gangs on the radio and um, or anything to do with any business. You know, there should be no real gangs in any business. So it's like the, the Italian mafia used to extort, you know, Steven Seagal, you know, they were extorting him monthly. But but I and he, so, and he had to take them to court to block them. And now, the you know, the Italian mafia is pretty much dead now. The CIA and FBI were able to, you know, crack down on all that stuff. But when it comes to hip hop, you know, they're not cracking down on all the uh all the blood rappers and for me i think that all the rappers that are like above a certain echelon if they're blood they need to be uh, uh eliminated from the industry like little dirk it, 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 bgs the, all bds all the uh chicago gangs anybody that's part of a real gang and they're saying it on it see i'm not talking about aggressive lyrics if somebody's like yeah i rolled up on the block and whatever but if somebody's like talking about real sets and they're affiliated with real sets one that needs to be banned. The hyper sex needs to be banned. The the hyper uh, prison to school pipeline gang culture stuff needs to be banned. Like so Drake, that, like Drake right now has that new song where it's like gang. It's like oh, Twenty One Savage and Twenty One Savage's brother just got stabbed to death, and Twenty One Savage has a, a a knife on his forehead. You know, so it's so, like so that's you, just you go. I love it. You go mile a minute, man. I love it. I love it. So. <laughs> I you you said a lot, but I I want to focus on you talked about the banning. So and yeah. not getting the government involved. Um, so how do you think that you'd be able to not you personally, but we would be able to figure that part out? Because you, as I said, I'm running for Congress. I'm running for governor. Yeah, it's an injunction. That's that's what it is. So, I don't know if you know. I'm actually I'm actually yeah. in a lawsuit with Netflix right now, a billion dollar company. Um, and I'm my goal is to get an injunction from them using the names. Skater Girl to describe their movie called Desert Dolphin. See, Netflix bought a, a movie in 2000. There's a movie called Desert Dolphin that came out in 2020, uh, directed by uh, Manjari Makajani that came out in India. Netflix bought it, and then in around February of uh, or early in the in the year last year, they changed the name from Desert Dolphin and they changed it to Skater Girl, which is the name of my film that was set to be released on June 22nd last year. I sent them a cease and desist. They made their release date June 11th, which was, you know, because before that they hadn't had any, uh, um, they didn't notify any actual said date of when they were going to release. And when I, after I sent them a cease and desist, they put their release 11 days before mine and tried to be like a first mover. But it's like, no, nah, I sued them for that. 
So, um, and what I, and then the lawsuit is an injunction, and it, with so what needs to happen is is an injunction. An injunction is is like, hey, you can't you're you can't do this one thing, or you can't do these ten things. Like you can't talk about, you know, like you, you know, because like now you know we have the we created the the parental advisory thing in the '80s, you know, after yeah. the Ozzy Osbourne, right? You know, the stuff, and the parents were afraid about all the satanic stuff, like in the '70s and the '60s, and all that the parents got together in the eighties, but, and, but now, you know, things are so much more advanced, all that, just putting a little parental advisory sticker is not enough because, you know, everybody's downloading the stream and it's not even CDs anymore. It's not even right. tapes right. or vinyl. So, right. You don't exactly. Know. So every, yeah. So everything has to be updated. So not only it has to be firewalls, but there needs to be, you know, injunctions and also limits per, uh, uh, uh blurbs. I mean, uh, bleeps, you know, cause it's like, they're, 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 they're totally violating on all the bleep stuff. Cause it's like, obviously, you know, the bleeps were intended to be used sparingly. But, you know, if you actually count it, how many how many bleeps do you think are going on on, on, on commercial radio every day? Like just in one day, it's probably a million bleeps a day. Like if you count every city and, and all the songs, they're, they're just, just mad curses. So they're just sending billions, of, millions and millions of bleeps and billions of bleeps. And the kids know what the bleep is because it's like, uh, you know, they don't cut the whole thing off or, you know, they just cut out a little bit of it or the kid well, knows they, the rhyme for, and the context. So we right, know what the word right, is. Remix it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I'm leaving work so quick. She about to suck my. Um, yeah. It's like, what? Stupid ass. <laughs> right, 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 right. I hate I'm her. Like, that stupid ass. <laughs> we, know, we, know, we know what it is. We know what it is. You know? Right. It's like, yo, oh, my goodness. So. That stuff is, but my thing is though, how could you actually? Because so, I get so you, can, you can say but, this, but hold so on, let me get this question out though, real quick. Yeah. Because how can you actually do it if it's, um, like say an artist is independent? There's artists mm-hmm. that are universal, like there's artists that are on different labels and companies. So the injunction with the Netflix situation, that's one company with one project. But you know, with yeah. hip hop. Folks have it's multiple artists with multiple projects or multiple companies. So how could it be done something where and I'm not saying you have all the answers, mm-hmm. but I'm just we're having this discussion where it could like be some type of all encompassing thing. Are you saying that one particular case could be the uh, linchpin for all cases that would follow after that? Yeah, federal injunction. Yeah, exactly. Because you could start with one city or one, you know, say, hey, they could, that one little town could make an injunction on the radio in that particular town. But yeah, so yeah, I'm saying like being very specific at first, like injunctions on, on federal radio and doing it with whatever it's the FIA or RIA or whatever those organizations are, uh, you know, because what, what can happen is, is like, one, it can be like, uh, boom, um, you're only allowed to have two bleeps on the radio per day. Right? That, I mean, it seems like to, to a rap, to, to, uh, to, you know, to, uh, to uh, you know, to, to like um, a, 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 comment, a pop rapper, that's crazy. Like, whoa, we can't, how am I going to say anything? But, you know, if it's, it's the radio. You should only have two bleeps per day. And, and also you could do something like, uh, like what they did with Showtime. I mean, uh, like HBO back in the day. Back in the cable days, I don't know if you're old enough to remember cable and when it was like, okay, yeah, now it's like nine o'clock, nine o'clock at night, we can show R-rated movies. So it's like banning, banning R-rated content during the daytime, during kid hours. Because like right now, it's like, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, it's three, it's three fifty. I can turn on the radio and hear Cardi B talking about sucking the watermelon through. I can suck a watermelon through a straw. You know, it's like, okay, and the kids, the young girls are like, yeah, that's that's womanhood is or whatever. How you can suck a watermelon. Through 
You know what I'm saying? And, you know, all that stuff's happening in the daytime. So one, for, you know, forcing it, forcing a gangster, gangster and sex rap, um, you know, uh, creating actual rating systems, like having people listen to it and be like, okay, this is rated, uh, you know, this new track is, is rated R, this new track is rated X, this new track is rated triple X, because there's none of that now. Now they just, they just bleep it. Because they can be like, yeah, we, we ran a train, we ran a train on you and your girls and da 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 da. You, train isn't illegal. You can say train all day on the radio. It's making me think that there needs to be the same way how there's an updated, um, how you said there needs to be updated stuff with like the parental advisory because right mm-hmm. that was intended for you to be in a record store and see it and buy it and you're because the parent was getting it it was for the advisory for the parent but now and if you're a kid and you try to go to the desk and they're like sorry look just like a cigarette like sorry you're too young to buy this right it's like a cigarette exactly but now with spotify and all of that so i think that maybe the companies to go against would be the major streamers whether it's spotify youtube and all these things exactly yeah and in the daytime so like hey spotify Wherever country time zone it is right now from, you know, because it's like with cable, it'd be like, you know, it'd be like, uh, you know, Cinemax and raunchy, sexy stuff. And then it's like three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. Oh, they stop at three forty five. And then then the kids and then they'll put something in between. And then the kids shows start at five o'clock in the morning. And the thing is, they depend on the kids streaming because Mm -hmm. that's who's a lot of these big artists with the big streaming numbers. They have heavily they have heavy fan bases of uh, 12 to 15 year olds, you know, 11 year olds that are just streaming the hell out of an artist who says the things that are just like very adult content. You know what I mean? It's just like clearly adult content that they don't maybe get now, but it's grooming them. And it's people exactly. have problems that are like, they have problems with the violence on the back end. They have problems with the sexual assault on the back end. They have problems exactly. with health conditions and STDs and all these things on the back end they have problems with the abuse and verbal abuse and relationship abuse on the back end but they're not dealing with oh you have young girls listening to people talking about being in abusive relationships while they're young you have young boys listening to people talking about going through shootouts and going to jail when they're young and and you talked about how this gives this there's this pipeline of um, kind of like hip hop to prison. There's this pipeline of hip hop and R&B to uh, a broken family. There's this pipeline exactly. of hip hop and R&B to like um, over-sexualization and all that. And you don't want to blame it all on hip hop because it's not like it's hip hop's fault. You have to be super clear about because folks are like, oh, you're blaming hip hop. And that's the oldest, oldest argument in the world. Exactly. Yeah, it's just music. Clear it's about, you can't blame art. It's, it's about the folks that are promoting it and overly exactly. promoting these negative images and pushing them for a specific reason when they can promote anything. Exactly. And that's why I always bring up Joe Camel because people because people are like, oh, well, you know, it's art. You can't stop art. You can't stop TV, corporate ad. You can't stop. It's free market, but with Joe Camel, the parents came together and and you know they stopped Joe. You know they're no longer allowed to make Joe Camel. They're not allowed to make cigarette ads that could be appealing to kids. So that, the same way that Joe Camel got banned, it can be rap. Rap can be banned where Drake is not allowed to make any songs because obviously kids love Drake. He's not allowed to make songs that could um, that could uh, appeal to kids that are gang stuff. You know what I'm saying? So like his new song, Gang. Maybe like that, that can only be played, on, you know, at, uh, you know, 10 o'clock, you know, at 10 o'clock, 
you know, you can start with the really extreme stuff. And, but, but still, even with that, you can only have two bleeps per day. You know, because if you turn to the Mexican radio, it's like Peace and Love, Tejano, all these, you know, I listen to the whole radio. I listen to every single state. I'm always flipping through, you know, radio stations. I love all genres of music. I like genres of music, you know, when they're innovative, when they first come out generally. But, you know what I'm saying? And you flip to the radio, you know, and then when you hit, you flip to the Caucasian stations, only the black stations have pure vulgarity and, and killing and death. So it's like, oh, is that part of black culture? And that's what they're trying to do. They're, they're brainwashing people by thinking, because um, I don't believe in, you know, as far as supply and demand economics, I believe in supply economics. I think supply creates the demand. I don't think that that the demand is there. Like, hey, black people, we just love sex and violence and we're... De- we're baser people and we're, we're all into sex and violence and we just love it. And that's part of our culture. You know, it's like, no, nah, it's the other way around. They're, they're, it's black exploitation. You know, ever since the black exploitation era, they, they figured out how to bring that into hip hop. And now they're just like, you know, now it's a multi-trillion dollar black exploitation industry. So that, so racial exploitation should be illegal. There should be a law that, that um, a corporation can't ridicule a group of people for money oh, and wow. ridicule you know, because ridicule so, can can include hypermasculization or even emasculization or. Oh, my goodness. And when you get into <laughs> that, you talk about that. And I'm not going to say the P word. Uh-huh. I'm going to call it. It rhymes with. Uh, it rhymes with corn. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah, say yeah. more word, but like because they flags, you know, uh, yeah, the algorithm did. talk about it, but. It's the same thing with that. They're making money. There's white corporations who and, and again, it. It's not even these corporations' fault because they keep letting them get away with it, and it's going to keep happening. Um, it is their fault, but you know it's it, it's right there for the taking. They have over black masculinization of black men to sell their corn videos, right? Exactly. And uh, exactly. Yeah. And 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 a, and a really good way to think about things. I always try to explain to people. But if you reverse things, it's a lot. To, it's easier for people to think about it. Like you know, so you know, black it, um, black people, black Americans are to hip hop as uh, you know, Hebrew people living um, in uh, Nazi Germany were to klezmer. And imagine if the Nazis were making klezmer music that was like, okay, this is the klezmer music, like fiddler, fiddler on the roof type of music. If, if Germans were producing, or if German record companies were like pumping out, uh, you know, uh, stereotypical uh, klezmer music, then you know what I'm saying. People would be like, "Whoa, that's weird. Why are they doing that? Why, you know, obviously the not the German the Germans shouldn't be, uh, uh, you know, puppeteering, uh, you know, Hebrew music or something." And then if you take, oh, the British versus the Indians, you know, Brit- the British people try to colonize India. Imagine if, you know, British people were making, uh, and they kind of are, some of, you know, the, there's so much colorism in, uh, you know, in Indian, in, in Bollywood, you could even say that uh, British propaganda is seeping into, you know, I mean, obviously they ha- always had the caste system and the caste system came out of there and the racism came from, you know, um, from that region. But, you know, the British obviously in modern, in modern times have had a very negative, negative impact on India and because uh, I, I heard before the I saw I just saw this quote that, by this one British kind of manifest destiny guy that was uh, one of the people that originally planned to, you know, chop up India and destroy their culture. He was saying before they came in there, you know, you could go, you know, and, and nobody would rob you on the street. and There was no crime. And then they came in there and 
you know, made it a worse place. So that's what's happening. They're keeping our they're keeping our neighborhoods destabilized in the same way that, you know, you see them funding child soldiers in Africa. So, you know, like in Africa, we're like, oh, those are child soldiers and they're mining the, the mines. But when you see it here, it's like, oh, no, they're just having fun there in Chicago. But I'm like, no, it's the same thing It's child right. soldiers in Chicago right. fighting each other that are being puppeteered by European uh, corporations right. and, and lodges and all types of groups and, and, and things like that. And then in Africa, it's the same thing. And they're, and they're both, prof- you know what I'm saying? Or a even Vietnam or, or Cambodia, I, you know, there's, there's all the tensions in the world. There's it's usually people that are from outside of that area that are fueling that inner warfare. So it's like that needs to be illegal to, to fuel fueling uh, like gang warfare through the radio. Cause like in Atlanta, cause I, um, uh, before we started recording, I was talking about how, you know, uh, in, uh, I, uh, I'm originally from Atlanta. Um, I went to high school in Atlanta. I'm originally from Milwaukee, but, uh, um, being in Atlanta now I'm back and forth between Atlanta and New York, you know, the crime in Atlanta is just out of control. Like my, my niece, uh, her and her fiance got their car stolen. Like her keys were hidden inside of his car. So and they stole his car and they found her keys and they're like, Oh shit. <laughs> And and they stole her car too in a gated community in Buckhead behind the mall behind behind uh right behind Lenox Mall she was living right behind Lenox a big famous mall uh, uh not Lenox Phipps you know a really uh high class mall there and uh you know so in Atlanta it's just out of control it's just you know you hear gunshots new this New Year's I was hearing all types of gunshots and I'm in a very chill neighborhood I'm not even in the hood you know what I'm saying. Um, and there's mad gunshots. Everybody's got guns in Atlanta. So it's like, you know, I, I believe people should have the right to bear arms. But when you have all that stuff pumping on the radio and everybody's got guns and I'm at Chipotle and I'm like looking at this guy's gun in front of me at line. I'm like, hmm, I hope he's sane. I hope he's a nice guy. and mm. He just wants a burrito and he doesn't, you know, freak out and kill all of us. Uh, you know, um, and if you just look up shooting <laughs> on Google, you know, it's a lot, yeah. uh, you know, it's something that's happening every day. And I saw someone yeah. talking about even this stuff, you know, folks just are scared. And even in television, it's like not just the hip hop, it's the mix of the hip hop with the television, mm-hmm. with the social media, with mm-hmm. everything else that's going on. Um, you know, it's enough to actually drive people crazy with the societal pressures you know what i mean with the lack of education with the lack of opportunities like and they make it seem like they really turn this lottery lottery thing into um mm-hmm. the only way out of your situation for you know is hip-hop or sports and the only folks and i love when dave Chappelle did the uh I'm, i want to work with dave Chappelle on something soon i just had an idea today but I love when Dave Chappelle did the uh, let's get Ja Rule on the phone. Ja, you know, that, that, that skit where he's like, it'll be like a big major crisis happening. And then when it's time to like ask black people, they'll like get Ja Rule and salute to Ja Rule, a great hip hop artist. But when it comes to something about uh, more complex issues, it's rare that mm-hmm. to black uh, scholars to talk about these things. They go to black hip hop artists. And now how it is, is for representation in the black community, they only go to black hip hop artists pretty much. Uh, because they, they have been one because hip hop has become so powerful, but two, because, uh, they don't actually want to, you know, perpetuate that there's other ways outside of hip hop or sports for you to be a person of notability uh exactly yeah and i was even brainwashed by that as a kid you know i went to private schools all my life and uh 
you know, and you would think like, hey, going to going to private schools all your life. Why, you know, why would you want to be a basketball player or a rapper? You know what I'm saying? But when I was like a freshman in high school, I was like, you know, when, when I was you know, more by sophomore year, I used to play at this place called Sports Life in Gwinnett County. And I used to like, like Andre Risen would be there. Uh, Deion Sanders was there. And, um, and I'd be playing them in basketball. And sometimes like a, you know, like a bench kind of pro, might, basketball pro might come in there and stuff like that. And I was at a really high level. And I was like, yeah, yeah I'm at this high level. You know, I'm going to practice every day. I was like, I was like, I'm going to be in the NBA. You know, I, when I was a freshman in high school, you know, and I was in private school, you know, which just shows it's like, even with, even with, you know, my mom being like, hey, you can be anything. You can be an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, da da da. I was still brainwashed by the, the media uh, because if you only see that on TV, every, if you see, oh, it's a black guy playing basketball and that's the, the Nike shoe commercial and then, oh, that's, uh, you know, the rap commercial or whatever, you only see that. So then it's like, oh, then you think that's cool and that's what you want to do and, it, and it's a total, you know, uh, you know, pipeline from school you know, straight from school all the way to, to whether it's basketball, whether it's, uh, and so, and so, you know, exactly. This is a perfect segue into, I'm too like, short. I'm only five eleven. You know, <laughs> and I realized, okay, I'm, I'm five eleven. It's like, yeah, if I'm not a, a, an amazing point guard with that can crazy dunks, then I, I, there's no way I can get anywhere, you know? Right. This is a perfect segue into the next topic and something we touched on before, but I, I it might be our last topic because I have to wrap up mm. shortly, but, um, you know, but I want to talk about drill too and Eric Adams before that raise it back to. Okay, well let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot to talk, to talk about, about that. Yeah, because I wanted to mention yeah. about you. You know, uh, from a segue from that, saying how you know us as folks, we as black folks, we feel like sometimes those are the only options, or not. We do, but that's what is a lot of pr- presented for a lot of people, and saying how of even in that you miss out. In the book, um, Miseducation of the Negro, it talks about how Black people are stu- taught to not even study Black people and Black art forms and Black exactly. culture. Everybody else in the world overstudies it and they become they master it, but Black people are taught not to study it because they're taught not to value themselves it's in this book. And, you know, when you touched on, I saw you made a post talking about uh, European DJs and how they uh, end up kind of removing... Uh, black folks um excuse me how they end up removing black folks from djing and mm-hmm. all the genres because all the genres are black genres and all the black genres but you know all of the top djs and i'm here in brooklyn you know there's a lot of touring you get to see basically folks from all of the world come here and tour and i'm in connection with a lot of the top clubs and a lot of the djs that are the top house djs techno djs exactly uh, dub DJs, hip hop DJs are literally all uh, non-black, right? And they'll be pushed heavily. And then even like how you said, from the bigger ones to on the lower level, if you go to any club here, they're going to be playing hip hop or some type of hip hop songs. But the I say the chances in Brooklyn of that DJ being black, I mean, it's like definitely less than 50%, maybe less than 40% of that DJ being black. And then same thing with other art forms, whether it's graffiti, whether it's even the fashion and clothing, right? As a lot of this stuff of it's non-Black people being the main ones pushed, even in a place like Brooklyn, which is considered Mm -hmm. the Black mecca of this art form called hip hop, right? Coming down from the South Bronx, 
sit here in Brooklyn having its own style and some of the most legendary people coming from Brooklyn. I talked to somebody from Atlanta, a very big hip hop artist from Atlanta. And he was like, yo, it's so great because it's all this black stuff going on in Brooklyn. Da, da, da. And I'm like, that's true. I don't want to miss that because it's a lot of great black stuff going on in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. You're in Brooklyn. A lot of other creators. But I'm like, it's really like a lot of white artists right now when yeah, yeah, that are look, doing because they're pushing and out use, the use the reverse thing use the reverse thing like i was just saying before imagine like imagine you uh tabla music and, and indian music imagine you go to india and you go to all the clubs and 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 it's an indian uh you know indian performances playing traditional indian music and you know the bands are you know 90 percent not indian it'd be like oh okay there's no indian people in the indian music okay that's weird, right? That would be kind of weird to, you know, to think like, no, and, and the inclusion, that's why the inclusion thing is very important. Another thing I forgot to say is that I noticed that, remember how maybe eight years ago or something, they were like talking about the idea of bringing, and they were starting to do it, bringing classic hip hop on radios. And when I mean classic, I mean like, oh, look, it's that, you know, everybody knows the far side, right. uh, you know, she's passing me by or, oh, boom, like these classic 90s joints, just like, how with rock, you know, you hear, oh, it's that Rolling Stones track, uh, that stuff, and all that classic stuff was positive. What I noticed is they started doing it and everybody started loving it, and then they they stopped it and they changed it to like they changed it to like only LL Cool J, like R and B nineties. You know what I'm saying? Like like you know, and for me, I've never been an R and B fan. I always hated R and B. I never, you know, unless I had to play a single when I used to <laughs> DJ in the late nineties, I would buy R and B singles and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I never liked soft rap. I always like, you know, more rugged <laughs> stuff, more intellectual stuff or more out there abstract stuff. And, you know, so I so I'm not against, you know, L O Cool J song from the mid 90s. I would never play it. You know, I would play his 80s stuff. But uh, but I noticed is that they they ended that, you know, they won't they won't let far side on the radio. You know, what I'm saying if they play far side on the radio, everybody knows the words. Everybody would be playing it and they would turn they would switch away from Drake. And to be like, wow, like people, older people, you know, anybody over 35 or something, you know what I'm saying? Anybody over 30, you know, they might be switching to that and be like, wow, but they don't, it's and they were doing it at first. And I was switching to it, I was like, wow, they're playing Far Side, they're playing Black Moon, and, 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 or even they're playing this or whatever, you know? And uh, they, so they banned that because they're like, you know, we want to re keep re redirecting everybody into the whole BET thing where, you know, you know how in BT nobody talks about this. They banned conscious hip hop from BT and MTV, all, and they actually made a. Um, you heard about that memo, right? You've seen the list. I have not seen this list or memo. Oh yet. yeah, oh. type in hip hop memo BET ban. So in the mid '90s, at some point around when Biggie took over, kind of, uh, they sent this memo in 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 uh, BT, and they were like, you know, our main demographic is 12 year old black girls, so. We're going to ban uh, all like conscious hip hop and focus on, you know, the, the flossy, you know, uh, gangster stuff and the, the biggie type stuff, the puffy stuff. You know, so Queen Latifah, Tribe Called Quest, Farside, you know, they had a list of, of literally like KRS-One, da, 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 all the groups that were like uh, it was popping in the early 90s. They just banned it one day and, and then they started, you know, because they, they would have like oh old school Wednesdays, but then they took away that. You know, so they actually banned it on BET. You know, Diggable Planets, they were banned from MTV, even though they won the Grammy in their first album. By the time their second album came out, MTV banned uh, because because she was like, you know, 90, 93 million miles above these devils, you know, like maybe just because that one line, you know, and it's like, 
um, she's just saying devils. It's like, you know, I've had relatives, you know, from the slavery wars get tortured, you know, impaled, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, those were devils that were doing all those things back then or, or, or even the thing, the horrible things now. There's real devils in the world. She should be able to say 93 million miles above these devils. You know what I'm saying? She's right. not specifically calling all uh, Caucasian people that she didn't even right. say Caucasian. If you were, if she just you, said 90 million miles above these devils, you know, and they wouldn't, and they had a uh, Afro pick on the front of the cover. So it's like, Oh yeah, that's too, you know, so they killed it. They are like, Nope, no conscious stuff. We're going to go with the gang stuff. And then there's another meeting you got to research. Um, I, I've heard Kwame was at that re, uh, re meeting, uh, a meeting that happened in the early nineties. That was about the school, to, uh, the rap to prison pipeline a bunch of corporations and, you know, the people that were building these new prisons came to some rappers and some people. Um, this is like a conspiracy theory type of thing where she could be real, could be fake. I think it's real because obviously look at look at now we're in 2022. Everything is is, uh, you know, really hardcore gangster. So supposedly in the early 90s, there was this meeting of, of a bunch of like famous hip hop people at that time and, you know, industry people and and these uh, prison corporations and, and people that are like, hey, we can make money off of this, um, you know, um, which was interesting because it actually kind of parallels to my mom one day, these um, some friends of hers came to came to her and like, hey, you know, if you invest in this company, we're going to be dumping trash in Africa. We're going to be dumping toxic waste in Africa. So it's a similar type of thing where it's like, hey, do you guys want to get in on this thing that we're about to do that obviously, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that, but, uh, you know, so a lot of people say that they really did do that and really had that meeting and really just actually overtly created the uh, rap to prison pipeline. Not even like, oh, yeah, just kind of, you know, randomly happened that way through black exploitation or whatever. It was like, no, they actively were like, we got to stop this, you know, positive conscious, you know, rap right. and we're going to promote, you know, so debauchery. So that being said, um, because mm -hmm. we are about to wrap up here. Mm -hmm. You, we, you mentioned Eric Adams. This will be our exactly, final. Exactly, yes. And, uh, you so, know, I did this song, Eric Adams, Get Out of My Room, which is the first uh, time Eric Adams ever mentioned on a drill song. Nice, and, nice. Yeah, and that was way before he was even mayor. And I was saying that he, you know, shouldn't be in that song. But um, so what are your thoughts about that whole thing? Because they've tried to, you know, yeah. in D.C., they actually banned Go-Go. Uh, where they banned go-go events so in new york they really could ban drill concerts or i remember while i was a radio dj at university yeah and go-go's live music go-go's right. live music go -Go's, right. It's like, what, what, right go goes just a swing pattern you know right. what i'm saying yeah you know and, and that's what they're banning intelligent music yeah. that's intelligent music when go -Go's i was, intelligent there was music. a lot of shootings with it but i know with me when yeah. i booked a go-go band at mm -hmm. university of maryland the police actually stopped the show they called the head. Wow, of the that's crazy. The show and, and like and that was like a real thing. The police like would uh, call and stop several of our shows because of like they thought it was a party or something, and they used whatever. Uh, wow, reason, you know what I mean? Whatever reason, if it wasn't like they couldn't because of the artist, but that it was a lot of censorship about that. Uh, but yeah, it feels weird. But then at the same time, you know, if there are things of, in the interest of public safety and da da da. da. So what do you say about that? This will be our last. Yeah, so this, this is what I say about that. So, you know, um, it, this all relates to um, to genre and my feelings on, on genre in, in general. Like, if you actually look at most of the genres that are out there, most of them are fake. They're not real genres. Like, R&B, it's like, 
Aaliyah is R is called R and B, and Marvin Gaye is called R and B. If you listen to their albums, they sound nothing alike. They're both singing, but that's it. You know, it's like if you're black and you're singing, that means you're R and B artist. As long as you don't have a guitar, if you had a guitar, maybe you're rock. You know, but if you're white and you're singing over something, and you're you're Hot Chip or you're, you're James Blake, it's like if James Blake sings over a, a you know some cool track somebody made, and it's like oh that's some new kind of experimental like. Wow, that's some. What's that? It's a new genre. Let's call this something new. And so the Europeans get to have all the new genre names. And you, let's say you go to a rave, they get to have a room with all the different names. Each each genre has its own room and or its own club or its own, you know. So um, even with uh, like when swing music came out back in the day in the jazz era, they were calling it jungle music. They're like those jungle bunnies making jungle music. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, um, even, you know, the rock and roll, it was always, uh, um, it was, you know, race music. Uh, most genres have a racial uh, um, uh, uh, connotation. So, like, let's say you take, uh, you know, um, IDM music, which people call intelligent dance music, like a like Aphex Twin, Autechre, like Warp Records, you know, even Bjork, you know, you know, they'll call her trip hop, but they'll also call her IDM, which is intelligent dance music. If a black person does the same thing, they call it broken beat. Because, like, you know, all the, all the, the black producers, you know, it's like, oh, they messed up and broke the beat, you know, or like Dirty South or Grime. You know, all these words are, a lot of these uh, genres are all deprecating uh, genres. So when we come to drill, to me, drill is IDM. Drill is the same as like Apex. To me, like, this, you know, Apex and Alltech were doing that stuff in the late 90s and like, oh, I'm going to put this thing on the 64th note. You know, I'm going to make this drum roll, uh, you know, I'm going to make this 808 drum roll a uh, 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 128th note um, drum roll, you know what I'm saying? And so to me, drill music is a, is, a, is a more complex form of crunk music. You know, it's like crunk came before it, and then the drill is even just more, more complex. So to me, drill is more, is even more like the live drumming and the go-go stuff, what you're saying. So to me, drill is, uh, is, is if I were to just, uh, not talking about the content of what most people are rapping about, the actual structure of the beats, the actual structure of the beats is IDM music. It's like, so if we were to take away race from all genre names, we'd be like, oh, drill is a, is a, you know, is, is hip hop IDM uh, uh, music, you know, that's, that's got really popular in Chicago and now it's spread around the world. So to me, you know, with Eric Adams, you can't ban a genre. You can, you should only ban things that are happening within it that are dangerous to people, not, not an actual genre or even an actual song, you know, um, uh, I mean, unless it's, it's like, make okay, it hotter. yeah, well, I mean, cause let's say somebody's like, oh, this is the blood gang anthem. I think that should be banned. Like it's like, Hey, blood gang anthem all around the world. But if somebody's like, Hey, this is the, uh, you know, you know, uh, buck your guns anthem. I don't think that should be banned, but obviously it should be played at a specific, you know, uh, depending on what they're saying in the song, you know, it, it shouldn't be played in the middle of the day or maybe never on the radio. Maybe it should only be on YouTube. Um, like we were talking about the solutions. Some of these things should only be on YouTube. So with Eric Adams, you know, being like, oh, this band drill music, that's stupid. That's the same as like saying, you know, this band rock and roll or when people were saying let's ban this and let's ban that. And even like BBC, when Grime was first coming out, the forward rhythm, I don't know if you heard about the forward rhythm, the forward, uh, the forward rhythm, uh, they weren't even talking about real gangs. I mean, they're just like, you know, it's just talking hardcore stuff and probably talking about guns and stuff too. But uh, somebody got stabbed at a show, so they banned that song. The UK, because, you know, the UK Crown runs BBC. They banned that song, and they tried to ban, you know, they're trying to ban grime music when it was coming out. And now people in the UK are like, oh, now it's UK drill. But it's like, no, UK was already 
making drill music in the 90s before uh, people in Chicago were people in Chicago were still making no ID Chicago beats. Right. I mean, uh, you know, common beats when people in uh, the UK were making crazy abstract drum roll drill um, IDM stuff. So, right. you know, they're, they're, they're always they're they're always control. When I say they, I mean, the, the status quo, the colonial Western powers, the you know, the top cast uh, Europeans that run everything. They're always, you know, manipulating um, black music and dividing us and creating all these, you know, all these weird things. And then, uh, you know, jumping on uh, one thing, but not getting to the elephants in the room. So I know that. So Eric right. Adams might have a good uh place where he's coming from he knows that there's an elephant in the room but the way that he's trying to go about doing it is totally wrong because you know you can't just say like hey you know um swing music is banned now like you're saying go-go music is banned the 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 violence in the go-go is not from the go-go music it's from the all the black exploitation from all the other hip-hop music that's bleeding into that culture and the pressure you know it's not the go-go that's violent you know I hate to have to do this. I have to actually end right yeah. now. I kept it to the last possible moment, but this is that uh, moment. That moment was five minutes ago, so I have to go. I pushed the call back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. another day. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm joining right now. Um, this, but this was dope. Let's talk soon. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, much all right, love. man. Thank you so all much. Right, um, let Let's them know. Where, let them know where to find you. Um, uh, let them know where to find. Oh yeah, yeah. You can go to uh, TTM Academy. So uh, you know, Insta- Instagram.com/slash/TTMAcademy, uh, YouTube.com/slash/TTMAcademy. Uh, we also we're about to drop a, a um, TTM.ninja soon. Right now, it just routes to the YouTube, but TTM.ninja is going to be the main spot. But uh, yeah, yeah. T- uh, YouTube slash TTM Academy. Okay, perfect. You can get all the lectures. Yeah. One love. Shout out TTM. All right, peace. Yeah, my favorite. Yeah, talk soon. (laughs) All right, man. All right, peace, peace.